From the Goodnight Scholars Program at NC State University, I'm Anthony O'Leary, and this is Have a Good Night. On today's episode, I sat down with Mentu Den and talked about the many ways she's involved in the Vietnamese space, kick cereal, balancing priorities, and kayaking, electrical and computer engineering, and the importance of doing what you love. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right, here we go. Um, what is your favorite cereal? My favorite cereal. Ooh, okay. I really like Kix. Kix is made by moms, but tested and approved by kids. My mom would buy it because it didn't have a lot of sugar. And I also can't eat a lot of sugar because it makes my stomach hurt when I eat it really early in the morning. Mm. So I really like Kix because it's like a combination of a little bit of sweetness and it still has a texture. And also like when you put it in milk, it's not really soggy like Raisin Bran. So Kix is my favorite. <laughs> Sorry to the raisin brand lovers out there. I'm just not a fan because it gets soggy. Even, I don't know any raisin brand lovers. I oh, like, I do. I feel like you have to be like 40 plus to enjoy raisin brand. I know someone in the Good Night Scholars program. Out them. I'm not. Out them. <laughs> I cannot. But I remember asking a group of people, and this person said raisin brand. I was like, mm, it's not my favorite, but I respect it because he might be listening to this, and I don't want to. I don't want him to be like, oh my gosh, Mitu called me out on my favorite cereal. You don't know who it is? I do know. You know who it is, yeah. I feel like I know who it is. <laughs> There's too many people I know. I'm and gonna, too many people you know. Is it Hilton? No. <laughs> thought it was Hilton. Okay, yeah, Kicks are fired. Yeah, Kit Tested, Mother Approved. That's it. Um, that's the logo. Because I used to love uh, Kicks as well. Also, don't eat cereal with milk. Like, period. You don't. Because of the sogginess. Yeah, um, okay. I'm really anti, like, soggy, like, breads or, like, soggy, like, oats or, like, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, overnight oats can't do it. Uh, milk and cereal can't do it. French toast can't do it. Okay. Oatmeal. No, no go. No go. It's the texture really, like, freaks me out. So, you wouldn't like how Tropicana is making orange juice cereal Orange juice cereal. I, I don't know if it's real. I saw it online the other day, but they're making like cereal specifically meant to put orange juice in, and I was like, this looks fake. That sounds horrible. I don't. I don't think I would like to eat that personally. No. But I think that's another thing on your list. You're like orange juice cereal. Yeah, that's a, that's a dead no. Just like the principle of orange juice cereal. What is the? What are the like? Is it fruity cereal or like? I feel like if it would be like an overpowering of fruit, so yeah. probably not. So at that point, you might as well just make a smoothie if you're going to put orange juice in cereal or just, like, blend it. Oh, that's so strange. Uh, but, okay, kicks is a good call. Uh, honey nut or honey bunch of the votes. No. Smart. Mm-mm. Too soggy when you, like, having the milk too long. Okay. I'm about to say, I don't, because I don't do that. Yeah, you just, just eat it, like, dry. Just, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Muffy, mm-hmm. are you the type of person that's like, oh, I need to... Do people tell you, oh, eat your cereal fast so that it's not soggy anymore? Mm, I don't think people tell me that, but I feel like that's ingrained if you don't like the sogginess that much. So I definitely eat it a little bit fast, but I don't like eating it as soon as it's in. Because I usually eat Honey Nut Cheerios. Kix is like a special thing. But when I eat Honey Nut Cheerios, I wait a little bit and I kind of get ready for the morning and then I eat it because Mm. it's like that perfect amount of texture for me. Yeah, I feel like this is, I'm really passionate about this. I didn't really think about it. I guess people are, I really like my morning routine. (laughs) For sure, I've never heard someone go so hard for Kix. Slash, I feel like Kix is also a a cereal that you don't really hear too much about, like, anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, my childhood, 
I love kicks, right? But like I haven't had kicks in so long. Yeah. Now I'm gonna have to go buy a box. I used to play the maze in the back, and they had all these like trivia facts about corn because it's partially made of corn. Yeah. Yeah. So I it definitely was a huge part of my childhood. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> um, well, Mintu, thank you for joining us, and for folks listening, um, Mintu was actually on a podcast. When was that? Like August, September. August? And the audio got deleted. Yeah. And so here we are running it back. Um, so thank you for being down to, no to do so. Um, and to tell the people a little bit about yourself and how you got um, into the Good Night Scholars program. Yeah. Uh, I'm a junior in electrical engineering with a concentration in renewable electric energy systems. Tough. Yeah. It's, it's a doozy. They usually call it Reese. But in my free time, I like to participate in Asian American advocacy. I do technical theater. I volunteer at the theater currently at NC State. I'm getting into film photography. Mm-hmm. I love going outside and just sitting and watching nature. But how I got into the Good Night Scholars program, I heard about it actually at my first high school. And one of the Good Night Scholars that got it was in my sister's year. And so I went to the ceremony to congratulate him as Cameron Williams. Mm. And I heard about it a little bit from there. And then when I went to my second high school, NTSSM, they had a free dinner and I love free food. And these ambassadors, uh, I forgot, I think it's Stephanie and Lulu, they were presenting the Goodnight Scholars program and it sounded like a really great opportunity for me because I knew I wanted to do engineering really early on. So I applied and you know, things really worked out and here I am. (laughs) That's cool. Well, we're happy to have you. And also, you are now one of these ambassadors who are I am. going forth and spreading the good word of good night. Yes. This is my second year as an ambassador. Uh, I'm going to be outreach because there's programming and outreach ambassadors. But I really loved <clears throat> reaching out to different schools, presenting virtually, and then just getting to call people and tell them about the program. So I'm excited to do it again. Yeah. Shout out to Mintu. She got a, a email from one of our community college partners saying like, oh, Mintu, thank you so much for your presentations because there were some students from the community college who ultimately um, got in and are going to be joining us this upcoming fall. So kudos to you, Mintu. Thank you. I'm excited to see them and meet them. So you mentioned uh, a lot of things in your interests and stuff like that, but your major specifically, let us know how you kind of like knew from the offset, onset, offset, onset. Not sure. You knew. Yeah. Yeah. that you wanted to do engineering and kind of like what that path has looked like for you since you've been at NC State? Yeah, I think it really started with my dad. He worked for the school system at my hometown and he did a lot of like the fire alarm maintenance. But additionally, he got to tell me every time he went home about all the cool things he did, like setting up the PA system for the superintendent. And that was kind of like a small celebrity in our community because we always saw him on TV and he would bring home some things and just tell me all about it. And I think that was like the first thing that really piqued my interest. Eventually I went to high school and I started doing technical theater. So I was in charge of the soundboard for two musicals in my first high school. And then I continued doing theater as I went into a different high school. But when I really thought about what I wanted to do, I really liked the hands-on activities because at my first high school again, we had a program called <clears throat> Project Lead the Way or PLTW. Yeah. yeah. We have the uh, school too. Mm-hmm. And so the second year I was in that program, one of the teachers was actually an electrical engineer himself. He's mm-hmm. Vietnamese. It was really awesome talking to him about that experience as like an Asian American teacher that was like not very commonly seen in electrical engineering or just in general like teaching. He was the second Asian teacher 
in the entire district. Mm. But I digress. Basically, he had this activity where we would build circuits on a breadboard. And I really liked it. I think I remember, I wrote it in every essay, but it still felt like a puzzle and trying to figure it out. So I really enjoyed that progress. And so the more I looked into electrical engineering, I had so many interests because of technical theater. I looked into frequencies and sound waves. And then I also was interested in other like building parts that could be put into things like computers. And so I was thinking, okay, electrical engineering it is. And so that's what I chose as my major when I went here. Definitely wasn't like dead set when I went to college because I think the introductory classes really like made me think, do I want to change my major? Is this for me? But eventually I settled into it and I found out about power systems. And that's when uh, there's like big transformers that power facilities as well as just larger components in general. And I think that was what really piqued my interest because it's really important to have safe systems, but it's also important to have efficient systems for things like NC State University or a football stadium to be powered. So that's currently my line of interest, which is why I am in the Renewable Electric Energy Systems or Reese concentration. <laughs> and you had a, um, an internship this past summer uh, with Eaton. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you want to uh, talk about what that was? And because I mean, you described the work that you were doing kind of in your answer, but just for the people. Yeah. I mean, Anthony kind of knows about it because I was in the Goodnight Scholars Lounge every day doing it on the big TV. But as an intern, I worked virtually just because of COVID-19 and I was a power systems engineering intern. So I got to help model certain systems, like I said, for a football stadium or for even a small train system in a really small town. And basically with those models, I would determine whether it had safety issues, especially these particular safety issues called arc flashes, which is when the current doesn't go through the wires and it goes into the air and it creates a large explosion, which could really harm anyone that is interacting with that directly. So once those potential risks are analyzed, then I compiled them into a report. And then that report is sent to the customer to say, hey, these are things that could be fixed. And these are services that we provide that other engineers, not me or my mentor, my manager would be able to do. So that was mostly my work, but I also did some business aspects like determining the price for these kinds of reports that we would do, as well as um, looking at trainings that my mentor would give about arc flash safety or just general safety from electrical systems. And then I also worked on a project that improved the efficiency of writing those reports through Microsoft Word. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was very concise as well. Thank you. Say, like if you were in an interview, like you would have pressed that question. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, random question. Okay. Uh, and this is because I was listening to a podcast this morning that was talking about the mining process for cryptocurrency. Oh, yeah. Um, and like just how much electricity it uses. I don't think that you all like talk about that in, in like your classes, mm -hmm. but have you, do you know anything about that? I honestly don't. I think the last time I heard about it was just seeing a bunch of fans in the back of a truck and I was just hoping it would be safe, but I honestly don't know much about it other than it takes a lot of power and it's a big issue and that's really it, unfortunately. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, like we hear about that, we hear about like this transition to like oh electric cars and like all the other stuff and people are like uh yeah i don't know if we have the the power to literally like turn all of our vehicles like electric right now or mm -hmm. like whatever and so like 
I, I mean, I don't have a solution, you know, but like, <laughs> I just hear these, I'm like, huh, that's very interesting. Yeah. So, electricity, man, it's crazy. Um, well, cool. I'm glad that you are here. I'm glad that you are doing your thing in engineering. Thank you. Um, but also, I think something that uh, we've kind of like talked about in passing or just like even in your answers, clearly your, um, your Vietnamese like culture is like really important to you or just like um, the teacher that you um, that you met um, back when you were in high school or just kind of like these aspects of your identity you hold very like dear to you. Mm-hmm. Um, college is a big place and yeah. it's a big place um, but I think there's also a lot of room for people to um, to kind of like get in touch or like connect with their um, whatever cultural aspects like things that they're interested in mm-hmm. in general. Um, what does that look like for you in terms of connecting to um, things related to your Vietnamese culture or just like um, Asian American identified stuff in general? Yeah, I've been involved in a lot of different organizations. So I think freshman year was really the beginning. I was introduced by a high school friend to the Vietnamese Student Association, which I'll be calling VSA because that is a mouthful to say every time I mention it. So I applied to be an intern on that board my freshman year and I got it with along with four other people. It was really important for me because I got to see how leadership worked in such a large team because it was essentially working with I think 14 to 16 other people mm-hmm. um, that would create general body meetings that people could learn about culture and also socialize with each other. Uh, people could learn through volunteer activities. I got to volunteer with the Vietnamese Association of Raleigh, I think yeah, Vietnamese American Association of Raleigh called VAR. And I got to volunteer with their Lunar New Year Festival and other things. And I also got to contribute to their cultural night called Viet Night. So that was my experience. Yeah, I did a lot of the technical aspects because of my previous background in technical theater. So it was really cool getting to give ideas like how do we improve this cultural night performance technical wise? Because I think they got it down pretty well with all of the other stuff. But I also helped with the script writing. Unfortunately, COVID-19 happened in March of 2020, I think. Yes. And so that never came into fruition during my year. So then the second year I stayed home, but I also got the opportunity to apply for an internship with an organization called North Carolina Asian Americans Together. Also very long, I'm going to be calling NCAT. So I got to work with NCAT during the 2020 general election. And because of that, I was also in a fellowship through NCAT called Pivot. So many long names. (laughs) Yeah, Progressive Vietnamese American organization i might be wrong but pivot like p-i-v-o-t and through that i was able to outreach through a large network of vietnamese americans across the nation in swing states that's why north carolina was one of them Mm. and through that i got to look at mailers uh that would be sent to north carolinians specifically vietnamese north carolinians and i also got to work on general fact-checking for Vietnamese Americans because a huge issue during the 2020 election was there was a lot of misinformation in the Vietnamese American community. Really? Yeah. It was just like, I mean, everywhere for sure. But like, what did that look like specifically in that community of people? It was many big talking heads that would advertise these misleading information pieces or false facts about the candidates that were running, I'm not going to go too into it because it's very like politically divisive, but uh, what our solution was, was to create a Vietnamese and English website called Viet Fact Check, which is still active right now. And it would kind of be like Snopes, if you ever heard of it, Mm -hmm. where they dispute if this fact is true and we would have mostly true or true or completely false. And it would explain in both Vietnamese and English 
why it was that case. So I got to work a little bit on that and then I also did a lot of youth outreach in the North Carolina area. So we hosted virtual events about why you should vote or if you can't, here's why you should tell your family members to vote, uh, especially for the local elections since most people just check like the big ballots, but locally the change is important first. So that was my second year. Uh, that was really impactful for me because I learned a lot more about community engagement and really focusing on enriching the people around you through your involvement. So then my third year, which is currently, I guess, or just ended, uh, I helped create an organization that is called Crane. I think, I hope this is the last one I have to explain. But <laughs> it stands for Critical Asian Narratives and Engagement. Crane Collective, I started it with two other people and we eventually expanded from to five and then to eight people that were on board. And it's essentially an organization that encourages critical thought of the Asian American identity. So this year we had a, a lot of workshops on things like cultural grief, queer and Asian representation and how we can analyze it and actually uplift our communities because it's very limited. And then our biggest event of the year was hosting this Asian artist showcase. And that was bringing in 30 plus artists that had roots in North Carolina and they were able to sell their works and showcase certain works like animation, filmmaking. And that was really awesome because we had 300 attendees wow. and a lot of the artists were able to either sell most of their works or sell out. So it's been really important for me to have roots to Asian American identity because I really, I think it really just starts with my name. Like my name is not American, it's Vietnamese. People say it wrong all the time. So I'm constantly recognizing that my identity is very different being Asian American, being Vietnamese, and it really just starts when I introduce myself. So I'm always thinking about how my identity plays into shape, whether it's in my hometown, whether it's in the high schools I went to, whether it's in this PWI or predominantly white institution. So it's really important for me to continue doing Asian American critical thought and outreach and hoping that other people will do that as well because I found that engaging in my culture and identity really helps me grow and become a better person. Mitchell, you're killing it right now. You're like rushing. <laughs> um, a lot of acronyms, a lot of good yeah. things, though. I have so many, like, other questions now that aren't on this list that we're just going to have to, like, dive into. So, yeah. actually, like, with you uh, thinking about your involvement with, like, the election stuff, mm -hmm. um, actually, like, where did that come from? Or just, like, this desire to... How do you pick, I guess, like, what you're involved in um, mm. when it comes to, like, more identity-based things um like what goes through your mind when you're like like oh, i want to i want to help out in this this area or like i want to give my skill sets here i mean i wish it was a more inspirational answer but i just remember i was at home and i didn't have many extracurriculars or anything to do other than going to school so i knew about ncat really early on i was introduced in it during high school by a friend and I really liked the work they were doing. So when the internship came up, I was just like, okay, I'll apply because it seems like a really great way for me to grow more as a person. And when I was doing the interview, they asked me specifically if I would like to be a pivot fellow just because I'm Vietnamese American. And I said, yes. So I did another interview for that fellowship and eventually got it. So I kind of just do whatever piques my interest. And if I have the availability, which I talk to my friends about because I tend to have a problem of being overcommitted, especially in high school. So now I kind of think about things I want to be involved in and think whether it will be 
enriching for me and whether I'll grow as a person or make new connections and then I just kind of go for it. That's really cool. So I think a lot of people view opportunities as like, you know, things to put on like the resume or whatever else like the case mm-hmm. may be, but it sounds like you really have um, like a, like when you process things out, it's like, oh, I think this will make me better as a person, mm-hmm. right? And I've heard you say that a couple of times in this uh, conversation. Um, when you see these opportunities to like help you develop as a person, like what does that mean exactly? Like mm-hmm. what do you want to, how do you want to develop as a person? Yeah. I mean, not going to lie. I think freshman year was especially like, yes, this will go on my resume. Mm-hmm. This will be so good. I'm not going to. Because it is good. It's good. I appreciate it. And then um, very fortunately, once I got my internship, I started thinking a lot more of how, what can I do for fun? Because mm-hmm. obviously if you're doing these extracurriculars in the past, then you're going to be doing it a lot and you still have a lot of schoolwork to do. Actually, freshman year, I was in an engineering extracurricular and I ended up just feeling very drained from it. Nothing wrong with the organization. They're thriving. It's a wonderful uh, thing to do. But I just personally didn't like it because I felt like it was school on top of school. So I wanted to really outreach and do other things. So I don't know if that answered your question, but... Uh, No, I think it does. Okay. Um, No, I think it does. Because I think that there are are things that you can get involved with that feel more like on... I'm just doing more work, mm-hmm. essentially, and not necessarily feeling fulfilled. Yeah. Um, and I think you can find that a lot, especially when it comes to, like, these major-specific organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're, like, you're just kind of still grinding out on, like, ECE stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where if you get involved in these other areas, like, you have, like, it's it flexes a different muscle. Mm-hmm. It also puts you in a different space that's, I want to say, like, counter to engineering, but just, like... You have to, you just have to like have and develop other skills or like you learn other things that will ultimately help you like when it comes to like your work as an engineer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess like speaking of that, like how do you see the work that you've done um, in these different areas, um, like with specific like Vietnamese groups or like Asian American groups, like impacting your, I won't say your perceptions of engineering, but just like how you plan to like enter into the field. Mm -hmm. Um, Slash, I don't know if we've talked about this, just like, what what has it been for you personally, like being um, like a Vietnamese woman, like in ECE, mm-hmm. um, and like how do you combine all these things together? Yeah, well, I think a lot of the experience I have in Asian American organizations do translate into the work field because I really specialize with logistics. Mm-hmm. I was briefly a logistics coordinator until we changed our structure in Crane. So because of my theater background, I was assistant stage manager in high school. I did stage crew. I did sound. So I was able to really have experience with this is what goes on for a performance. And then it translated to something like the showcase where it's like, this is what we need in order to have a successful showcase. So those skills really translated um, from Asian American organizations to the work that I did during my internship and hopefully later on because that requires a lot of planning in advance. And then I think your second question was, how is it like being a Vietnamese woman in ECE? Yes. Yes. Um, I think it really started off really nice because although the female population is kind of limited, I think it's 20% right now in ECE, I still managed to find a community, even my friends in electrical and computer engineering, which is what ECE is, mm-hmm. they are mainly women of color. And actually a lot of them started the woman in ECE organization. So it was really awesome to connect with people through that organization. 
And I think the further I got into my classes, I'm definitely like one of the only women now because I'm taking more specialized classes for my concentration. But regardless of that, I definitely just kind of meet people and then I just introduce myself, especially to people of color that are in the major because they definitely resonate with also just being the minorities in a predominantly white institution. And we still connect and have a really fun time. So I definitely really do like having the Asian American organizations or just uh, people of color uh, spaces like the Multicultural Student Affairs Suite or going to, I personally don't go to the GLBT Center, but I know a lot of people really seek that kind of um, safe space there. So I've also gone to those places that really encourage that kind of community since most of my classes are predominantly men or predominantly white, so. And are they in Centennial Campus? Uh, no, they're on main campus. Okay. I just take the bus or I drive after 3 p.m. because my parking pass kind of sucked this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know still where anything is on this campus besides like this area that we're in. Like, mm-hmm. I know where Good Night is. You know where know the Bell Tower to, is. You know where the Bell Tower is and I can walk to the Union. Yeah. But that's all I got. And I can drive to Hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. Yeah, most of the cultural centers are in Tally Student Union, but there is African American Cultural Center in Witherspoon, which is just a walks away. So, mm, gotcha. Last question for you. Um, second to last question for your life. Uh, so, I mean, I know that you do well academically. Um, how do you how do you find the balance of all these things and your grades? Um, mm. And I know that. It's, it can be challenging. So, like, what, what have those challenges, like, look like? Um, I think it, recently I got a concussion. I think that was <laughs> when I really oh, had to think I, about I it. That. Yeah, <laughs> I, it was during the fall semester. I got a concussion when I was working at a part-time job in theater. And I had to stop everything for a week and just heal. And that was when I realized I did way too much. I ended up dropping my theater minor. I ended up quitting that job. I ended up withdrawing from some things that I was doing with VSA and then I really just focused on the things that I realized I really enjoyed. I'm constantly having to balance academics and personal interests because I like a lot of things. I have a circulating list of hobbies and I just kind of pick up whatever I'm interested in at the moment. Right now it's kayaking. I'm really hoping to do that over the summer. But regardless, it's always just a balance because I love being engage in a lot of different communities and they all don't really have kind of an overlap like I volunteer at university theater but no one in university theater goes to Asian American organizations which Mm -hmm. is fine so then I just have to figure out okay I'm gonna volunteer two hours a week in theater so I can be involved in Crane and I think this year I'm going to have to withdraw from being in Crane and so I can do a larger opportunity in theater hopefully um, so I'm just constantly having to talk to my peers because they are like, Mintu, you're overcommitted. And I say, yeah, I know. And then we just have to figure it out because then they just see me stressed. But I've started adopting more personal habits. Like I woke up at 7 a.m. or 7.30 a.m. for a class every day. But even if I didn't have that class, I would still wake up and I would try to do my all my homework right after the class. So it would freshen my head. And recently I've adopted this policy of I stop all homework at 1030 because I realized my brain just wasn't absorbing the material. Mm -hmm. And that helped out a lot with balancing everything. And then after 1030, sometimes I'm just, I can do crane related stuff. 
I can do things that I'm passionate about. I can talk to friends and then I go to sleep. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I wish that more people kind of like reflected on like, Hey, like how much stuff am I really doing right now? So I think it is really easy to get kind of like caught in this mm-hmm. like web of, uh, over-involvement. Um, and it's things that you enjoy, but mm-hmm. it's also like not necessarily things that you can enjoy all at once yeah. because there's like so much to do. Um, also, kudos to you for cutting off at 1030. I also had to cut off an undergrad. Yeah. Like, I was an all-nighter person. Um, oh. Like, oh, I was not. Oh, good. <laughs> I did it uh, twice. Each time, the result was not what I was looking for <laughs> on the on the exam the next day or whatever the assignment mm-hmm. was. Um, and, like, I really enjoyed my sleep. So. Yeah. I sometimes do extend it to midnight, but I just never work after midnight now because I realize it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And people, uh, people forget that college is like, college or undergrad specifically is like a twenty-four hour situation. Mm-hmm. Like, because you have some, I mean, you you have so much time mm-hmm. in theory to like do whatever, like when it comes to like your organizations, volunteering, your classes, socializing, like any and everything. But it's really about like how do you how do you find the balance in all of it and like trying to figure it out. Um, which is why, like, a lot of first-year students specifically, but, like, a lot of everyone in general kind of, like, gets burnt out and struggles. Yeah. Um, which is hard. Uh, any advice that you would give, this is the last question, any advice that you would give to our incoming class of 2026 and transfer class of 2025 um, as they prepare to enter into this space where they can get involved in so many things, cultural things, uh, personal interests and hobbies, and all their academics? Um. Go out to Korean Collective's events. <laughs> That's the first thing. I'm pretty sure we're doing a Meet the Asian Orgs Fair if you're interested. So we'll be inviting, since we have 27 Asian organizations at NC State, uh, currently at least, we're going to be hosting a smaller fair versus the large student involvement fair in the huge ballroom. We're going to have a smaller one, um, hopefully with free food, that people can go to if they're interested in learning about Asian culture through various organizations. But also I got this advice when I was a freshman, and I think this really helped me. This person told me, you just have to have a calendar open for your week and then put down all your classes and then put down all of the hours you think you're going to dedicate to each class and then see what you have room for extracurricular wise. I personally don't do the calendar thing, but I really think in my head, how much time am I going to spend on each of these classes? And then I think, okay, since I know around the estimate every week, then I can think, what can I do to help my community and a lot of the time, if I have like my circulating interests of hobbies, it will end up being smaller outputs like volunteering two hours a week in the theater versus being in a whole production and then volunteering in my local community for two hours every Saturday. And that usually helps me a lot. Just like if I have an interest, but I don't have much enough time, reducing it, but also still engaging. Reduce but engage. Yeah. Wise words from Mentu. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on here and no for problem. doing this again. This is great. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed our conversation and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe and give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening on. If you're a prospective student and you want to learn more about the Goodnight Scholars program, feel free to shoot us an email at goodnightscholarship at ncsu.edu. And remember, no matter what time of day you're listening in, we always hope that you have a good night. I'm Anthony O'Leary Wright. Peace out.